Howdy folks, this is professional rodeo announcer Joe Coulter and I want to be the first to welcome you to Slave the Cowboy. But before we get started, I want to ask you one question. What is a cowboy? Well, a cowboy is about character, honesty, respect, integrity, strength, and truth. And you know when you scratch all that in the dirt, you're going to spell out the word Christ. And that in its simplest form is what being a true cowboy is all about. So sit back, grab a cup of coffee, and get ready to learn how to ride for the Lord. And may God save the cowboy. I worked for the Texas Department of Criminal Justice as a prison guard, and I was the one that went out on the horses every morning, and, uh, you know, we would go out there, and they'd work in the fields, and, you know, we'd have our guns and everything like that. It was a great job. Got to ride a horse every single day, and whenever I started, I was the youngest one out there. I don't know how it is that I've got gray hair. No matter where I go, it seems like I'm the youngest one, and I get all those other jobs. Everybody else had these nice horses that would just do what you said they would do, and then there's always that one horse in a string that just wants to pitch every single morning, and you got three guesses of who got to ride her every single morning, and that was me. Her name was uh, Havelina, called her Lena because she would she'd pop her teeth like a Havelina would, just all the time. And that this old mare, she was beautiful, beautiful uh, chestnut, and boy, she'd let you crawl up there and get all in your saddle. Oh, ears would just be laid back like no bit, nobody's business. And as soon as you untracked her, she would try to send you to the moon and back. I mean, this chick could buck. As a matter of fact, Ralph, the guy that I always talk about, he was the dog sergeant out there for a while. And he's the one that got on her first whenever we got her in from Huntsville. And I mean, she liked to buck him off. And so I knew she was, it was coming. So I'd taken that old Indian saddle blanket and I'd rolled it up and tied it on the front of my saddle like a buck and roll. Because I guarantee you, you know, a lot of cowboys might say, well, you know, that's okay. One thing you don't want to do is get bucked off with a 357 on your side in the middle of 400 inmates, okay? That may not be good for your health. So I cheated any way I could. And so anyway, every single morning she'd get out there. Sometimes she'd only take a couple of hops. Sometimes, I mean, she would just flat out just get it. She never got me. And then one morning I was out there and I was fixing to get on, get on old Lena. And I mean, it was just like a deal. I mean, all the inmates turned out every morning just to watch the Bronc ride. And so, hey, man, I bet four cigarettes that he gets bucked off today. And so we got out there and I hear, uh, fixing to get on my horse and I hear, oh, one to Mr. Weatherby. That's the warden calling. I was like, uh-oh. What, what, what did I, hey. G go ahead, warden. You got on your horse yet? No, sir. Don't. I'll be right there. I was like, oh my gosh. So I'm standing there, and of course, you know, all the inmates heard it, and all the uh, officers are like, what did you do? I'm like, I don't know. And so anyway, we hear this grand caprice or something like that coming around the unit. And he pulls up, and he has the assistant, or not the assistant, he has the regional director that reports straight to the governor in the car with him. Her name was Martha Ware, and he rolls down the window, and he said, we came for the Bronco ride, and go ahead and get on now. I was a tad bit younger back then. I was the only one out there in a gray uniform with my uniform stuck down in my pants. <laughs> you bet you, Warden, I can get on this baby right here. Yeah, boy, I made a big old show of pushing my old hat down like this and had some, Ray, uh, some Oakley sunglasses, pushed them up on my face, and I 
kind of did that old Josie Wells walk up to her, grabbed her. Oh, she was like. <laughs> so I got on her and I snuck her down right there and I got, I had some oxbows on and, you know, I stuck my feet way down in there, hunkered down, looked at the guy on my left, looked at the guy on my right because they were going to keep her going straight for me. I looked over, I said, ma'am, and it went. That was the worst mistake I've ever made. <laughs> she jumped about this high, upside down. You seen them Olympic divers, how they do all them twists and stuff before they hit the ground? That's what she was doing. It happened so fast. It's kind of like whenever you, you know, the centrifugal force is the only thing that kept me in the saddle. No skill at all. But about that time, my rear end grew two hands and grabbed the back of the kennel. I don't know where they come from. I don't care. But boy, I was sitting pretty. I am sort of glad that the inmates were hollering so they couldn't hear me going, ah! But I sat up there, and boy, I rode, and I rode, and I looked over, and Big Ed's next to me, and he's like, you okay? I was like, no, stop her. So he goes to whooping her in the head. And about every third whip with that range, he'd hit me about right here. So he was like, oh, ow, Ugh, ow. You ever had a range across your hands? Good grief, I was going to bail off just because of him. Finally, you know, she got in there. She'd only buck, you know, five or six jumps normally. And finally, you know, I could see her wearing down a little bit. So I said, y'all watch, I'm going to turn her in a circle. I turned her in a circle. I kind of gave her one of these deals, you know. Oh. Rode by that car and went, ma'am. <laughs> I mean, ma'am. And there we went. I'm telling you that today, I'm going to use that as an illustration. If you see up there the top deal. Mike, I may need to, I'm going to read that for you, Mike. I know you're sitting back there in the back and you're a little old. That says, ride like you can't be throwed. I'm going to tell you today out of 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, the Apostle Paul says, be diligent to present yourself approved as a workman for God. To God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth. 2 Timothy 2, 15. The simplified cowboy version of that says, ride deliberately for God as a top hand so that when you stand before him, you will have nothing to be ashamed of. Let me read that one more time. Ride deliberately for God as a top hand so that when you stand before him, you will have nothing to be ashamed of. So what does a deliberate Christian look like? How do we ride each and every day deliberately and what's the opposite of deliberately? Accidentally. See, too many of us are not deliberate Christians. We're accidental Christians. What's the difference? You know, an accidental Christian is somebody that says, oh, well, you know, I went to church every Sunday. Why? Well, that's just what you do on Sundays, I guess. I don't know. An accidental Christian is somebody that says, oh, I'm a great Christian because, well, I close my eyes when that preacher prays. Well, what does it mean in your heart? What do you mean, what does it mean in my heart? I just, I mean, that's what you do is you close your eyes when you pray. 
An accidental Christian might say, well, I believe that Jesus was a real man that lived 2,000 years ago, and I believe that he was crucified on the cross. My question is, is how has that changed your life? And they say, what do you mean changed my life? The Bible says that when we believe in Jesus Christ and accept him as our Lord and Savior, that we become a new creation. My question is, have you become a new creation? Are you a deliberate Christian or are you an accidental Christian? So how do we ride deliberately for God? And, and I think that a lot of people might be thinking, oh, you know, he's fixing to start talking about, I got to do this and I got to do that and I got to do this and I got to do that. You know what? It's more of an attitude than what you do with your hands. To ride deliberately for God, I've been thinking about this. I, I didn't hardly get any sleep. I thought, how can I tell somebody simply, how do you ride deliberately, diligently? How do you ride for God? And I'm here to tell you that I think that there's, there's probably a million answers, but the ones that I liked most that I thought that God was speaking to me is he says, you have to trust me. You know, trust is kind of like, you know, when you say, well, what do you mean by trust you, God? I trust you, God. I trust you. That's kind of like saying, uh, you know, well, I, I'm, a, I'm a tough feller. I'm a tough guy. I'm a tough guy. You know what? You can talk about being tough all you want. I want to be there when you hit your hand with a hammer. Because isn't the proof in the pudding? I mean, we can talk when we're not hurt. Griffin is really proud. He will show you if you ask him. He's got a bruise about this big on his side. And he's like, well, I thought I was pretty tough, but that thing hurts. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I mean, it's easy to say that you're tough whenever nothing's wrong. Can you trust? I mean, we're all sitting here today. And can we say, oh, I trust you, God. It's easy to say that we trust in the Lord when really nothing catastrophic is happening. But what about when your life starts falling apart? What about when it seems like if there's one thing that could go wrong, it breeds and multiplies like a set of coat hangers and just your life just gets tangled up? The only way to ride deliberately is to trust God completely. And what does the deliberate ride look like? The first thing that I think that a deliberate ride versus an accidental ride is, uh, is when people say, why me, instead of use me. Did you know that most adults are just old kids? Because I, I know that uh, I'm sure that my kids are the only ones that if I say, Griffin, I need you to do, and you can fill in the blank with whatever, the first thing that comes out of his mouth is, why do I have to do it? Why doesn't Riley have to do that? And Christy, when I tell her to do something. <laughs> she tells me to do it, and I do it. But I mean, honestly, how many times, you know, I, I hear, I used to, there was a, and I'm not going to mention any names, Keith, but, and, and it's, this isn't from Fort Stockton, not from here, but a guy came up to me one time, he's like, hey man, we need to put on a roping. I'm like, that's a great idea. He goes, really? I'm like, yeah, you do that. And he goes, no, I don't want to do it. I want you to do it. I'm like, well, didn't you say that? And he had told me, God's really been speaking to me about us putting a roping on. I'm like, really? He's like, Yeah. I was like, great, then do it. He's like, no, he told me to tell you to do it. I was like, no, 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 no. See, <laughs> I love you, buddy, but you're not a prophet, okay? 
No longer does God have to speak through certain people to bring a message to me. He's laying it on your heart. And he goes, why me? I'm like, well, God talked to you. And he goes, why? <laughs> I don't know. He goes, I don't know how to put on a rope. And I said, that's the first indication that he's really talking to you. What is God telling you today? Maybe he's telling you to get more involved in Save the Cowboy. Maybe he's telling you that you just need to pray more. Maybe he's just tapping you on the shoulder saying, you know what, all I want you to do is just talk to me more. I'm not talking about big grandiose things. I'm not asking you to go to Guatemala. We are going to go to Guatemala, by the way. We're planning that right now. We're going to go down and see George and Vonda down there and go on a mission trip and help them. Is that all right with you all? All right. Uh, what is God telling you to do? When God tells you to do something, why do, you, uh, why do we always go, oh, why does God want me to do that? Surely we can find somebody else. God must want me to find somebody else to do that. But he doesn't. God does not equip, call those that are equipped to do the job. He equips those that he calls to do the job. Does that make sense? He doesn't call somebody you know, that, that knows how to rope that can catch every time, he'll call somebody that's never swung a lope. A lope. <laughs> never swung a lope? That was half rope, half loop for all of y'all that don't speak my language. It is a Texas thing. But God does not call those that are equipped to do the job. He will equip those that are called to the job, that he calls to the job. So, you know, when God, God is talking to each and every one of us, and a lot of times, two things if you're not hearing him. First thing is you're usually going, da, 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 da. no, that's what Christy does. I don't want to hear that God. I don't want to hear that God. Mm-mm-mm. And she laughs. She goes, I know God's talking to me whenever my first instinct is to stick my finger in my ear and go, da, 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 I don't hear you, God. I don't hear you. But he does. He talks to each and every one of us. So sometimes it's one of those things that we don't want to, we, no, we, I don't want to do that, God. I don't want to do that. It's scary. It's scary. I don't know how. So, do it anyway. I don't have time. Make time. I don't know how. Who cares? Can anybody go with me? No. Dang. Okay. Or you can say, you know, how many, how many people go, that they're, they're like, have you ever had somebody that anytime you tell them how to do something, they're like, I know, I know, I know. Yeah, I know, I know. Mm-hmm, I know. Well, there's a guy like that. I used to say, you know, one time we were... Uh, I was on this bucking horse and you know, pulled the muscle real bad. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. And, and the whole conversation was just, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. So I threw in there and, uh, you know, it, 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 elephants are venomous. And he's like, I know, I know, I know. You know, I mean, how many times is God telling you, hey, you need to pray more? I know, I know, I know. Yeah, I know, God. And, and you know what? I want you to spend just more time alone with me. I, 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 know, I know, I know. And then we just continue doing exactly what we always do. A deliberate Christian will go to God and he will say, God, use me. Versus an accidental Christian that will say, why me? Why me? The second thing is a deliberate Christian looks for a way through a situation by following God. An accidental Christian will look for a way out of a situation. I'm here to tell you that in Matthew 7, 13, and 14, Jesus says, the road to hell, well, actually, I'm going to say this, the road to hell is taking the easy way out. How many times do we do that? 
Matthew 7, 13 and 14 says, Wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. You know, a lot of times we come to a situation in our lives where there's a canyon that we have to cross. Remember that canyon that, uh, that David spoke about in Psalm 23? Lo, though I walk through the, sh- the shadow of the valley of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. See, some people don't want to go through that, the shadow of the valley of death. They don't want to go through it. They'll come up to the edge of it and go, whoo, heck no, buddy. We're going to go this way. And they ride forever in one direction or another instead of going through where God is leading them. You know what? Everybody wants to be on top of the mountain. Everybody wants to, oh, you know, I don't want to be down in the bottom. I want to be the high life. I want to be on top of the mountain. What grows on the top of the highest mountain? Nothing. Where is the most growth? It's down in the canyon. Now, I'm not saying that there's anything wrong, man. I love going to the top of a mountain. But you don't grow on the top of a mountain. You grow through those canyons, the valley of the shadow of death. Taking the easy way out is what I think that Jesus was talking about when he said, wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. That's the easy way out of situations. How about what we talked about? You know, you come up to a situation in your life that you're going through, and we're all going through those situations right now. I'm going through a really, really major one right now. And somebody asked me, what are you going to do about it? And I smiled, and I said, I'm going to trust God. I'm going to grab on with a night latch, buck and roll, and I'm going to hang on. Because that's what we got to do. Can you do that in your situation right now? I don't care if it's financial, spiritual, emotional. Can you trust God to get you through the situation that you're going through? Or are we just going to run around the situation constantly looking for something else? Because I tell you what, that canyon that runs this way, a lot of times we start going down, and that canyon may turn back to the north where we need to go. And so we turn back to the north and like, hey, we're going the right direction. But eventually that canyon's going to turn back around. And it's going to come all the way back around. And before too long, you're not even going in the right direction. Deliberate Christians look for a way through a situation by trusting in God. And I tell you what, God, people have always said that uh, God won't give you anything more than you can handle. That is bull. It is nowhere in the Bible. And most people, they really think that. They think that that is in the Bible, and it's not. Did you know that the Bible does say that God will not allow any temptation to come upon you that he will not give you a way out of? But he never said that he would give you anything more than you can handle. Ask Moses. He tells Moses, he's like, I'm going to have you lead about a million people out of the Egypt, the most powerful nation on earth. What? Can't he, he, you know, Moses was a stutter. He's like, I'm slow as speech. He goes, that's all right. I'll send Aaron to do the talking for you. Well, I'm not equipped. He said, shut up and go do it. Yes, sir. <laughs> and he's listed in Hebrews in the hall of faith. How about David? I want you to kill Goliath. What? It's a big dude. So, okay. Where's your Goliath right now? What is God telling you to do? Don't take the easy way out. The easy way out is running from your problems. The hard way through it is trusting God and saying, God, lead on, man. I'll whoop and spur and follow you wherever you take me. That's what we need in life. 
We don't need any more accidental Christians that just stumble and fall into a chair on Sunday mornings or maybe, you know, half close their eyes while they're thinking about something else while somebody's praying. We need some deliberate Christians. Accidental Christians, deliberate Christians. Is my purpose in life me or is my purpose in life Jesus Christ? That's the difference between deliberate and accidental. A deliberate Christian will make Jesus Christ, God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, he will make his faith the most important thing in his life. Now, that doesn't mean that we got to shave our dead gum heads and move up to a mountaintop and sit there and meditate and throw wet blankets on us to see if we can drown. Okay? That just means whatever you do, do it for God instead of yourself. I'm not saying that we can't go have fun. Go have fun for God. Let your light shine through whenever you're at the roping or whenever you're out there working cattle. Use every opportunity to live 100% for God. Let me tell you what a, an accidental Christian's life looks like. We need to all get in our pickups and go out to my house, and I want you to try to catch my gray mare <laughs> on 40 acres. You know what? If you don't want to catch her, she's standing on the porch looking in the front door. What y'all doing in there? Got any alfalfa? Hello? I'm serious. She has this ES horse pee. That didn't work. <laughs> that wasn't in the notes. <laughs> She does have that, though. She does. You can come see. But I guarantee you, you wake up in the morning, and you're like, I'm going to go rope today. You go looking for her, she is in a pine tree, in the top, in camo. Shh. Here he comes. I'm serious. You can rub all over. Oh, you're a good girl, Fiona. You're a good girl. Yeah, I know. You take one step toward that halter. But that's what an accidental Christian's faith looks like. Oh, I've got a horse. I can't catch it. I can't do anything with it. But I've got it. What we need to do is be a deliberate Christian. You know, don't you just want to beat the tar out of those people that go out and they whistle and their horse comes running up to them? I'm going to beat you and take your horse. In Jesus' name. Gunsel. <laughs> do you, I mean, seriously, do you want a faith that you can use? Do you want to trust God instead of just running around and running around and running around? Oh, I can't do this. I can't do that. Man, that's accidental Christianity. We want deliberate Christianity where we can call on our faith whenever we need it the most. Not just whenever it's convenient. We pet God as we walk by out the door. Hey, God. Good boy. And then when you really need God, you can't find him. He hasn't gone anywhere we have. Are you we an accidental Christian or deliberate Christian? Remember 2 Timothy 2.15. Ride deliberately for God as a top hand so that when you stand before him, you will have nothing to be ashamed of. At the same prison and on the same horse, I was sitting on the edge of this wooded area and the inmates were out there in the field. And I was all by myself. Oh, Lena, she'd had her buck and fit that morning, but she'd never, she, not one time did that horse ever pitch after she got done in the morning. 
You could do whatever you wanted to on her. And so I was sitting there, and I was kind of bored. Anybody ever sat, just sat on a horse for a long time? I guarantee you can sit on a horse for an hour and not be half as sore as riding one for two. And I'd been out there about six hours sitting in a saddle. I started getting some cramps, and I was like, good grief, man. (sighs) I'm tired. What do you do when you get tired sitting in the saddle? You kick that leg over. Look around. There ain't nobody around here. Lena's just half asleep, twitching in air. She don't care. I'm counting my inmates. And Ralph Hager, who I believe to be about 120% Indian, comes sneaking up on me like Geronimo and whoops my horse on the butt. You can ride a bucking horse side saddle. And I got mad. I pulled her right up. She only took about two jumps. Scared her more than anything. And I turned around, and I was about to light into somebody. Ralph got to me first. And he said, let me tell you something. Now, this is the same man that I went over to his house every day, and he taught me to break horses. He said, let me tell you something. If you are sitting on a horse, you ride that horse. There, he said, if I ever catch you again, I'm not going to hit your horse. I'm going to hit you. Now, I'm not saying that I haven't done that to this day or anything like that, but I guarantee you very seldom do I kick my leg over and hang it over because I learned a valuable lesson. He said, you don't know what's going to happen. He said, you've got a gun on you, and you've got 400 people that just soon kill you as look at you, and you're over here with your leg kicked over the saddle. He said, you keep both feet in the stirrups, and you keep your hands on those reins because you never know. What if I would have been an inmate? You would have been dead. We can learn a valuable lesson in that. What I want you to start doing today, if you're not already, is I want you to start riding deliberately for God. I want you to keep both feet in the stirrups because we've become lazy. A lot of us are just riding bareback. A lot of us are on on a pony ride Christianity where we go put the quarter in and we, yay, look at us. Some of us are on those little Walmart deals thinking, oh, we're riding good. No, I want you to ride for real. Not accidentally. This is not a dog and pony show. This is life and eternal life and death. This is not a game. This is real. Hell is real. Heaven is real. And your life here on earth has eternal consequences. And what does God ask you to do? Trust Him. Trust me. Keep both feet in the stirrups. One foot being faith. One foot being trust. Keep one hand on the reins and one on a rope so that God's Word will get our life where we want to go. That's the reins of our life. If you have a question about something, go to that Bible. If you need help with something, come to me. Come to Eva. Come to Jared. Come to Christy. Come to Sue. We'll help you find the answer in the Bible. I said keep one hand on the reins and one hand on a rope. A rope ready to do what he wants us to do. Deliberately, not accidentally. Strive to live a deliberate life. Strive to make a deliberate right in your faith, in Christianity, in your life with God. Strive to live a use me instead of an accidental why me. Strive to get through and grow instead of an accidental get me out of here. Let me find the easy way out. Strive to live deliberately for God instead of accidentally for me. Start living for Him, not you. 
Matthew 7, 21 and 23 says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and drive out demons in your name, perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evildoer. He's talking about accidental people right there. Accidental Christians. Yeah, I believe there was a Jesus. I believe he probably died on a cross. We have been made into a new creation. How has God changed your life? There are no accidents in heaven. Start trusting God today and ride like you can't be thrown. I know you couldn't help but notice all the great music playing in the background. You need to stop what you're doing right now and go by BarryWardMusic.com and check out his new album, West of Dodge. This program wouldn't have been possible without these fine folks. Tumbleweed Hay and Hauling, 303-324-8217. WesternLLC.net. Look East Realty, 303-644-4444. Double H Heating and Air, 303-669-8911. Integrity Auto Repair, 303-621-2845 and Comanche Creek Enterprises 303-619-7030 Please support businesses that aren't afraid to show their faith. Call them today or go by SaveTheCowboy.com and click on Sponsors for more information. Glad you took a ride with us today. If you liked today's service and heard God speaking to you, I'd like for you to go to our website and check out the new book, Simplified Cowboy Version Gospel of Matthew. If you've ever wanted to read your Bible but found it difficult to understand, then this book is for you. Just go to SaveTheCowboy.com and click on General Store. You'll find tons of stuff there to help you in your ride with Christ. You can also partner up with us by following the online giving link. All our monthly supporters get an audio CD or DVD every month in the mail as our way of saying thank you. We don't care about the amount. Look at what Jesus did with a couple of biscuits and some fish. He can do the same with your helping hand.